NASCAR was always somewhat of a circus, but every circus needs someone who truly understands giving the people what they want. As P.T. Barnum is credited to have said, fortune always favors the brave and never helps the man who does not help himself. Perhaps there was no one braver and no one more willing to help himself than Bruton Smith. We had to park the race car a couple blocks away from the motel. We hauled booze and stuff with them and made sure that we had the car to beat the revenueers with. So uh, I was pretty well on my way racing when I got to the race car. Well, I think a Winston Cup race would, would work and, and people would like it no matter where, you know, where it went. And certainly uh, Las Vegas. I'll tell you something else. Uh, I did, he's talking about coming to Texas and winning his first cup race. He won his first bus race here. You know, it's really nothing special. It's just a job my dad does. He could be your plumber, you know. Yesterday afternoon, the Hendrick Motorsports Beach 200 disappeared from the radar, trying to land at the tiny Blue Ridge Regional Airport. We're going to Homestead! Make room, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. There's another seven-time champ. Jimmy Jackson wins his seventh NASCAR Sprint Championship. Olin Bruton Smith was a child of the Roaring Twenties who would grow up in Oakboro, North Carolina during the Great Depression. Bruton was a different breed of character, there is no doubt. He first got involved with racing at the age of 17 by promoting races in the middle of the cornfield and would eventually take over the National Stock Car Racing Association. Just so we're clear, this is the beginning of a trend for Bruton Smith and it's important that I clarify exactly what is happening here. Bruton took over as the head of the NSCRA, a direct competitor to NASCAR. This is important to remember moving forward. Bruton would go on to take part in the Korean War, leaving his auto racing exploits behind for the time being. Upon his return to the U.S., he found that his beloved NSCRA was no more. One would be of the mindset that this would mean he would no longer be in competition with Bill France nor his NASCAR entity, but that would remain untrue. He continued to promote races and sell cars, but his heart was truly in the track ownership world. Granted, he'd do what was necessary to earn a living, and car sales and promotions provided that opportunity. The crown jewel of Bruton's early career was the Charlotte Motor Speedway. He had dreams of building a track in the Charlotte area, and although he had somewhat of a tough time finding success doing this, he was able to do it along with Curtis Turner. While Turner didn't want to partner with Bruton, Smith found a way to make it so Turner essentially had to agree to working with him. The track was opened in 1960 and ran the first ever World 600, a race that to this day is considered a crown jewel event and still the longest on the NASCAR circuit. That same year, after the track was placed into bankruptcy, both he and Curtis Turner were removed from their board positions. After being removed from the board, Smith went back to what he was always successful at, car sales. Granted, we are not an automotive business podcast, but you may notice somewhat of a trend through these episodes as we discuss how some of these individuals made their income, and Bruton was a fantastic example of this. He was successful in his business dealings enough that by 1975, he had bought nearly half of the shares of the Charlotte Motor Speedway, becoming the largest single shareholder in the track. The hiring of Humpy Wheeler to manage the track proved critical to the success of Bruton Smith. A decade later, he would purchase back all of the stock of Charlotte Motor Speedway, becoming its sole owner. His original dream was complete, but yet he was just getting started.
Don't forget, he had a history of competing with Bill France Sr.'s companies, and this would essentially be no different. Bruton Smith, and eventually his corporation of Speedway Motorsports, Inc., would buy out the Atlanta International Raceway, Bristol International Raceway, Sear Point Raceway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and North Wilkesboro Speedway. Additionally, he would also oversee the building of Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth. Atlanta would become Atlanta Motor Speedway, Bristol would follow suit, and Sears Point would become Sonoma Raceway. To this day, all of these tracks are places we race at in the Cup Series. The exception here is North Wilkesboro, which from 1996 until 2022 never saw racing action, however made its triumphant return in 2023 for the All-Star Race. The early 2000s saw him add the New Hampshire International Speedway and Kentucky Speedway to the SMI holdings. The SMI and ISC rivalry had a truly lasting effect on NASCAR, but overall competition is good when not overboard. While Smith and the France family may have had their struggles over the years, Bruton was elected into the NASCAR Hall of Fame as part of the 2016 class of inductees. The legacy of Olin Bruton Smith is such that he was still a critical component of the NASCAR series until his death at the age of 95 in 2022. As with many on our list, Bruton Smith would also suffer tragedy in his life. In 1980, his son, Bruton Smith Jr., would pass away due to accidental strangulation while in his crib at the age of seven months old. While we focus so heavily on the NASCAR aspects of individual legacies while creating these episodes, we would be remiss to not make mention of Smith's greater legacy, which is that of Speedway Children's Charities, which he created just two short years after Bruton Jr.'s death in 1982. The charity at the time of his passing, in 2022, 40 years after creating it, had donated over $60 million to children's causes.